I think this conversation could be 10 episodes. And I Probably think the could. reality is that it'll never be easy. I think for, for Brandon and I to ever come into this space and, and talk no, about sex. This is probably the most uncomfortable for me. Definitely. Yeah. But, but I know, I know that you guys deserve that from us. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are people who are just like me and there are people who are just like Brandon. And and if we could have had people, yeah. if, if we could have been sitting where you're sitting, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you know what I mean? God, God only knows what it could have taught us or what it could have, could have been to us. Yeah. So I know that the vulnerability is never, is never wasted, never done in vain. Hey guys, it's Chelsea. And I'm Brandon. And you're listening to the majestic voices of the religious dropouts. Welcome aboard. Majestic. That sounded like that was a boat or something. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about tonight because the conversation, we always have like a uh I don't know if it's a concept or what, but when we write these episodes, we always have like the point of the episode, you know? Yeah, the meat and potatoes. If yeah, the, you will. the meat and potatoes, yeah, yeah. If you will. <laughs> we might have an apple teaser beforehand, but <laughs> Bone apple tea, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but but the main point tonight is we are going to be talking about um shame and sex and intimacy, mm-hmm. um a little bit. You know, I I don't think you're going to get your uh, sex ed 101 lesson on this podcast, but I do think we're going to open up and be a little vulnerable about um some of our own stories and and just a little bit about what the um what the church, you know, honestly fucks up. <laughs> when it comes to yeah. shame and sex and, and all that stuff, we're going to, we're going to talk about that. So, um, so we don't have a life update today because we're replacing it with, um, this funny little, uh, voicemail we got from somebody. Uh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I did send this to Brandon. Like he does have it just so you know, just so you know. Okay. But I will just tell you, let I me will... see the updated agenda. Then. I'm so done with it. Uh, but for, for oh, uh... <laughs> You guys, I'm so sorry Chelsea got that wrong. Here's what I want to do instead to start this episode. I'm a mistake. Now hiring religious dropouts new co-host. Okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You know this trend, the like so-and-so walked so that we do need a good somebody example. else could. Well, Elle Woods walked so Barbie could run. That's right. That's perfect. Like what? Margot Robbie could yeah. run. Yeah. Or uh, Reese Witherspoon walked so that Margot Robbie from could run. Life size. Oh my God, Tyra Banks. So I've seen Tyra Banks where they walked said Tyra so that Margot Robbie could yes, run. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Bow down to Tyra the Queen. And if you think Life Size is not the best movie ever, you can shut up. We've sang right. that song on the podcast, have we? Shine bright, shine Yeah, okay. Uh, well, so, if we did it before, yeah. we have now. Yeah, <laughs> okay. thank God. It needed to be. You on. missed the line in there, and that made I it did. to where I didn't know how to jump in. Yeah, I, was just, I was just rocking and rolling. Yeah. So anyways, anyway, yeah. what are some spaces where you've walked so that I could run as a friend and vice versa. <laughs> oh shit. I'm already laughing so hard. Okay. So um <laughs> I would say that Brandon is a superior snack buyer 
Like mm-hmm. I, I would have never, I showed up to camp with a peanut butter and jelly and almond milk and a protein canister. Okay. Is that not true? Yep. I showed up to, to the camp with a diet Mountain Dew case, a protein canister and almond milk. Yep. And Brandon walked through the aisles of Walmart, getting all sorts of candy and snacks and deli- yeah. de- delicacies. Oreo O's. Oreo O's. <laughs> Actual Oreos. Maybe everything was just Oreos. Oreo cakes. (laughs) Everything. The white chocolate dip Oreos. Everything. You brought that to the table, actually. But maybe I walked with Oreos. So that I could run, you know, because otherwise I'd still be drinking protein shakes at camp, you know. And I ended up, you know, eating a lot of candy and and garbage instead. And it was only because Brandon first walked. So, Um, I have two things. Is that okay? Oh, perfect. Um. Chelsea has walked with uh, Tidy Lucy's <laughs> so that I could run with Tidy Lucy's. And if you guys don't know this phrase, this is actually a this is actually a friend insider. We're gonna let I you guys be on the today. inside of. I literally wore them today. <laughs> I wore them today. The shorts where there's a tidy layer on the inside, That's but a Lucy short. layer on an outside. Absolutely. Because I didn't know that this was very, this is very important for like thighs rubbing. Very important. Very and I didn't understand this. But I taught him. And now I have one pair of Tidy Lucy's. And they're the best things you ever had. That I do wear to the gym. I think they rock. Yep. You love them. Yeah. The other thing that Chelsea did walk with so that I could run. <laughs> I don't want to know. Is general witchcraft. Because <laughs> she's <laughs> She is pure evil, obviously, and now I'm just falling under the spell. If they say it, it must be true. So you're welcome. Where's my wand? Excuse me. Uh, You should have a wand. (laughs) I do. My brother, my brother Dylan, got me a wand from Harry Potter World. It's the Harry Potter wand. I have a wand. Amazing. From I love him. Do you know whose wand I have from that I probably Voldemort? Serious Black. Serious Black. I knew it. God. Although now I'm kind of wanting Lupin when I rewatch the movies. I'm kind of like, yeah. Ooh, I might oh, be a big him. Lupin fan. I do love him. Yeah. So our next segment, it's new. And um, we played it for you last week was the first week with the new segment. Today is the second week. And it is called Big, big Mad, Mad Energy. Hmm. I'm mad about now. Y'all really pressed over that shit. Wow. Big mad. Y'all got big mad energy. Big mad energy this week. We're always behind, right? Like, <laughs> our, it's like social issues or political issues or big mad energy issues to the anti woke community hit the anti woke community a month ago and then we talk about him on the pod right so like that's just how it is so i know that you guys have been mad and and then been fine and then been not mad or whatever the hell a week ago <laughs> right like this is old news for you but we're going to talk about it anyway um and it is uh jason aldean yeah jason aldean try that in a small town <laughs> better not honestly gosh so try that in a small town. I actually pulled up this article from NPR. Yeah. I thought I want to be the most clear. And so the article is without reading the whole thing, cause we'd be here forever. The article basically covers like your main points that like the song was not really necessarily an issue until the music video came out. 
Um, and then it like it talks about how the song was released like a month before the video or something, mm-hmm. or two months before. And the song lyrics themselves, some of them were triggering, but they really were not that triggering until the music video came out and it had all this innuendo that people were like connecting with um, Black Lives Matter protests and right. uh, a lot of a lot of similar to the George Floyd uh, murder and and things like that. So just um, historic uh yeah shootings yeah so yeah exactly yeah so i wanted to read part of this npr article because here's the thing actually there was someone that listens to the podcast and if she's the only person that did this then i am calling her out and i do love you and i i hope you keep listening if not i get it Mm -hmm. but we had one person that listens to the podcast that i did see on facebook the other day post i stand with jason aldean oh yeah and that's why I wanted to talk about this in our big mad energy moment mm-hmm. because not just because she posted that because it's like, well, let's talk about what you're standing with and let's just like really look at it for fa- for fact value, right? Yeah. Like the bottom line. Um, so you're like, Oh, there's snowflakes. Why are you so worried? Well, let's just, I just want to just one quick, quick thing. The cute chronic snowflake ism. The CMT uh, country music television. If you didn't know, um, said that they will no longer air the music video. So I just want you to know for a, an organization to do that, it's a huge deal. Yeah. So obviously this is not like some, you know, woke agenda um, when CMT is, is removing it, has removed the music video. That doesn't happen like ever. So right. that's a pretty big deal in itself. I think also it's, it's important to note that there, there have always been questionable themes in country music and CMT... Always. Does it really re- remove videos like always? But the fact that they're willing to about this does show that this is dramatically different. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of the criticism around the video, I'm reading the NPR article now, just so you know, um, much of the criticism around the video has less to do with all of the things forementioned, which is the things we just kind of talked to you about, like um, just the references to the uh, social justice issues with racism, um, number one. And then with even some of the lyrics glorifying gun violence, um, there's some of that stuff is what was mentioned in this article before. Uh, but anyway, it has it has much less to do with that stuff and more to do with its setting. The Maury County Courthouse building in Columbia, Tennessee, which serves as an American flag draped backdrop for Aldine and his band. This particular location is huge because the landmark was the site of race riots in 1946, as well as the 1927 lynching in a in which a white mob pulled an 18 year old black man, Henry. I don't I don't want to mispronounce his last name. Coyote, Coyote. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, from jail and dragged him through the city by car. According to several media reports, including a detailed account from the Washington Post, this 18-year-old boy had allegedly confessed to attacking a 16-year-old white girl to protect his life, even though the girl couldn't even positively identify him. Jason Aldean then made a statement after CMT pulled the music video and said, like, literally the lyrics of what you said, the music video of what you put out, and the location in which you chose to film, like obviously we're done um jason responded and he and he said he was not he was against pro lynching and that the interpretation goes too far 
and it is dangerous. He said against pro lynching. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Wow. He put he on Tuesday. <laughs> Aldine pushed back hard. <laughs> oh, against the accusation saying he was not pro lynching. Yeah, because oh, they okay. were saying he's pro lynching. But so I guess I just want to. I think the whole point of me reading some of that was just because it's like you can stand with Jason Aldean all you want. Yeah. Or you can literally listen to the episode we just recorded about being anti-racist, which I think was episode eight, maybe, or seven. I think seven, actually. Um, And yes. you can you can take it to heart and you can think about what anti-racism does look like. And unfortunately for Jason Aldean, um, a lot of the things he mentioned were tried in a small town and a lot of black people were murdered and lynched. And, right. um, and then you still chose to record where you recorded it. And you, I mean, this is kind of a situation where no one should be standing with Jason Aldean. Instead, you should be saying, I can see the harm in this, whether I agree with it or not, I can see it. And, and it sucks, you know, yeah. it's, it sucks for people who are offended by it. It sucks for um, people who love him. I mean, yeah. it sucks for everybody. Yeah. But you can at least identify that that that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, and I understand for some people that's their genre, that's their mm -hmm. that's their dude. Like he, like they like yeah his style. I mean, and you have to give up something that's comfortable of like that's something you enjoy is that country music. You like yeah. you play it like that. Yeah. Like yep, you support him. Yeah, but the in the in the concept of try that in the small town might be badass to say like yeah, but the reality is. Uh, people been tried. Yep, people, exactly. Like they're just not you, probably. <laughs> their lives shouldn't. Their lives shouldn't shouldn't have to feel threatened for you to feel like you enjoy your music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yep, and that's really what Big Mad Energy is about. We wanna yep. we wanna kind of focus on kind of these, man. Why are these people mad moments that yeah. happen in our culture? And we kind of like, yeah, want to have sometimes have a little fun with it. Sometimes yeah. break some things down. Yeah, exactly. It is an insane blessing and privilege to have Sycamore Creek Church as one of our sponsors on the Religious Dropouts podcast. When we launched this podcast, we never imagined accepting a church sponsorship, but this church really does just hit different. The community of people really do believe in Jesus and justice. They're also LGBTQ plus affirming, which means that all are included and welcome no matter who we love. They put action and effort into working for racial equity and they deeply care about being multiculturally curious, creative, and compassionate. If there was a church the religious dropouts could preach a live sermon or podcast at, this would so be it. If church isn't for you, please ignore this ad. But if you are curious about what the body of Christ looks like, this Jesus-loving congregation is located in Lansing, Michigan and is launching a campus in the Eastwood area on October 1st. Tell Pastor Tom that Brandon and Chelsea said hey. We do have a phone call, though, uh, which is. Um, I was just saying, I think we need a good call. Yeah, I think you were. <laughs> I think you were. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, girl, so this is Emily. I honestly don't care about naming myself anymore. Hi, guys. I'm Emily. And um, I just wanted to come on here and share just a story that I think. You guys would get a lot of, I know you guys know, but it's just, it's hard to share. Um, I was a very involved person in my youth group until my new pastor came in and he gave us a contract 
that we had to sign. I've never heard of this before. Never, ever have gotten handed a contract at a youth group event. And they basically, it basically said, like, you have to follow all of these rules or you can't be, like, a leader in our youth group. And it talked about, like, you need to repent, like, if you are gay, like, if you have homosexual, like, thoughts, like, impure thoughts like that. If you are um, not, like, sexually pure, like, you can't have sex before marriage. Uh, like, sex is meant for a man and a woman, like, all of this stuff. And um, that was, like, the tip of the iceberg that really just pushed me out of religion, or at least my church in general, but... I have not been to church in eight, eight or nine months at this point. Like, it's almost a year, and, like, I'm loving it. I'm thriving. Um, just want to share, and if you guys have any questions, please let me know. And I am more than willing to share more um, about that story. So thank you. Thank you. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Oh, God, that is a hard one. Sure is. We love you. Thanks for sending in a little clip. Oh, Emily. God, man. I think the first thing I want to say is, man, I hope you find a space where you feel safe soon. Because being out of the church community for eight months, as as happy as you might feel and as good as it might feel, God, I know there's a community out there that would die for your gifts and talents. Not only because I know you yep. um, and I know how incredible you are, but because I know, like, you know, God has really just made you different and set apart, mm-hmm. you know, and I want a community to experience that. So right. I'm, I'm praying about that, but damn, I mean, that's just, I don't even, I guess before we even get into the call, it made me think about youth ministry a little bit on our end. Um, and I just kind of was thinking like, is there anything that we ever wish we would have done differently or, you know, like, is there ever a time where we wish we could kind of take it back in youth ministry? Um, and I just wondered like how you feel about that. And yeah, I think, I think, uh, well, first of all, I made a contract for our, uh, for, I was trying to get a student leadership team started at (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we'll beep it out. I was trying to get a contract. Uh, I I made a contract for our student leadership team at the first church I was at. Yeah. And uh, but I didn't. I don't. I'll have to relook that up now because I'm curious. But I don't yeah. think I made any um, uh, sexual oath kind of statements that they had to sign off on. Like. It just makes me think like, um, (laughs) well, first of all, I will say I, for me, the things I would take back, I think are, you just have this, you have an authority that is not fair as a youth pastor. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. You have a job that your, your literal job, your literal job is to shepherd these students and members of your church like help them on their spiritual journey. And then whatever your job description is, right? Like, I don't know, wash tables, mm-hmm. buy pizza, you know, do, do simple math for it's events. That. That's way more complicated, but whatever. So the point though, is like, your job is not to police your students yeah, because you're the authority. Like, bro, you're not God. 
like you're not their parents. You're, you're literally like, like it doesn't mean you're not influential in their life. Right. But it means that like you, you are not who you think you are. Like the audacity that you bring to the table to say, I'm going to put a, a morality clause on your involvement in leadership in an extracurricular it's just right. crazy yeah. to me. Like, and so I think my regret would ever be if I ever had that in my head. Like if I ever felt like I was like almost like a, a superiority complex. Like right. I just I and I know there were probably times I did, I'm sure. And I just wish I could take those back because like really it, we ain't shit. Like we're just here to help you and love you and care about you. I really think I tried to steward every conversation the best way I could. And I think I yeah. wanted to be uh relatable, even if um, even if they were telling me a big mess up or something like that, or like, I think I just wanted them to know why I wanted my poker face to be well, because like I wanted, so yeah. I do think I probably gave some crap advice at different times. And that's probably a better question for some of my students is like, where did Brandon mess up or like, yeah. um, cause self-awareness is a hard, is a hard definitely. thing to run down. Like definitely, but I mean, well, and we always gave our best. That's the thing. If so we it's a lot harder to... now. Yeah we would be ridiculously different. Like, yeah, absolutely. And not ridiculously, but in incredibly different in just a, in a positive way. I yeah, think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to, hard to think like, where would I have messed up? Um, I know there's students I should have reached out to when, when my life got busy. Yeah. I have a lot of grace for myself, but it makes it hard to kind of. Definitely. Yeah. There's, a, there's always something. There's right. always some things that you wish you could do different. Right. I think also like in ministry, you just, you grow with your students and you grow with your experience and your schooling and your time and, you know, years served. And so I just think regrets is just, I don't know, I guess if you're sitting around thinking of all these things you wish you could take back. Yeah. I think you need some therapy probably. And, you know, I mean, honestly, we're just, I think we're just doing the best we could. And, and, but like I said, yeah, I do think I wish I could, I could go back and take away some of that. Like you are not superior really and you are not you know you don't you don't get to say so much like you think you do like this this youth pastor did like emily was sharing i think what also is really triggering to me is you know i want you guys to just think about like you're a member of a church youth group and for some of you you've never been a member of a church youth group so you don't even know what that looks like yeah but imagine like you're a misfit or a kid that doesn't really fit in and maybe you're gay and maybe, or maybe you're wondering, maybe you're questioning, maybe you're having some thoughts and you're a part of this community. You're a part of this group of people. You've where, laughed with them. Yeah. They you, feed yeah. you some pizza. Yep. You get to hang out. You get to just come and just dump yourself at the door, yep. listen to some, some stuff about God. And you don't know how you feel about him yet, but you're just listening. You know, you get to be a part of a community, whatever. And then you get handed this contract that's like immediately shame, immediately shame. Like, it's one thing when you are one-on-one working with Mm -hmm. students, right? And so you're like, as you work with students, you just genuinely share the truth with them that you think is the truth. I know we don't agree with this youth pastor on what the truth is, but let's say we did. The way that you're going to present that to them is in a contract they have to sign. Right. Bro, like, what the? Get your head out of your ass, And I really hope you didn't know about uh, if if this... uh, I really hope you didn't know any of your students were gay. Right. I really hope you didn't hand that damn because contract you out knew, knowing someone's sexuality. If you knew and you slid it to, to somebody that's gay without ever no, actually talking to them. Like, right. Without actually ever ministering to them or walking through it with them. Right. Yeah. It's, or they it's didn't shit, offer dude. that up to you. You just heard it. Yeah, dude. It's such garbage. It, yeah. 
Yeah, I can't. That Emily, I'm so sorry that happened to you, man. I would have dipped out of that church too. So good for you. Yep. Claps, claps. Well, those are snaps, but whatever. <laughs> um, but so good for you for your discernment and knowing like that's not God's way. There's no way, dude. Yep. There's no way that's how God operates. Um, especially to students. We get contracts in our job. Um, you know, when you when you're 40 years old or when you're 25 years old or when you get into careers, like you may have things that, you know, ethics you have to abide by or but but to come to a youth group and have a contract, it's just oh my god. It I makes think me what's important die. to be said too, and this is this is where we're headed. This is this is where Emily's leading us into too, is uh Christians are obsessed with sex. Dude, dude, There's but they'll never talk about it. They, it for for a community that's so obsessed with sex, obsessed they're with so it. obsessed with the shame of sex. That's what it is. Yep. They're not obsessed with having I would have loved control, to talk about it. The power yeah. of sex, dude. It's just wild. Dude, it's wild. Wild. I remember if you guys haven't heard of this, it's something to definitely check out. But there's a podcast on Spotify um called uh The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Yep. And um it's this church, and there's a the the pastor of the church, his name was Mark Driscoll, and he's the most dangerous, triggering, disgusting human being. Like literally, and I don't talk like that about anybody really. No, nope. but like this guy, I mean, it's like the sickest stuff you you've ever heard. And he gave this sermon once about how a woman came to his church and was like really uncomfortable with certain sexual activity. And from the pulpit, he's like preaching to his church. It doesn't matter if she's uncomfortable. She's your wife. She has a responsibility. And it's just like, Oh my God. Like not, not even that you would say that, but that you would use the pulpit to say it. like, and that's, and that's, that's just, that was a huge mega church. How many tiny yeah. churches all over the country are per, like perpetuating this, like, this like almost like rape ministry, like yeah. literally, yeah. like it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Another podcast is called the Bear Mar Marriage pod Podcast. That yeah. is very, very good. Uh, they 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 take apart a lot of um, Christian curriculum and literature, yeah. and they'll they'll say like, yeah, why are these dudes being the the thought leaders on this yeah. without ever like, yeah, right, uh consulting women or learning yeah. about um the data behind like an orgasm gap yeah, or right yeah all these different yeah, things absolutely. and like and the just, health of anything just how the health on. and the data yeah. should actually change what we what we are teaching cr other cr yeah. teaching generations of christians on yeah on this content definitely yeah no i love that so I wrote down, you know, kind of just some things that I thought like, you know, how do we, we kind of just covered like, how do we think sex is talked about in the church? I, I think it's, I think it's not number one. Right. I, I went to so many churches. I mean, I sat in hundreds of thousands of church services and I never once heard sex as a conversation. The only time I heard it as a conversation was an anti-gay agenda. So in my, in my experience, in the thousands of services I sat in, Never once heard a sermon about sex unless yeah. it was, home, uh, in my opinion, homophobic in the way they they taught it and the way they preached that. Um, but otherwise, for me, it wasn't taught at all. Yeah. Um, what about for you? Um, I can think of different times in my in my growing up in the church that we did we did talk about it, but it's a it was a once a year kind of curriculum at different stages. So I remember when I was in um, fifth and sixth grade. I remember um, our our children's pastor, children's preacher, um, talked about uh, like virginity to the girls is like uh, like a necklace around 
around your neck <laughs> and uh wow and once it's taken it's you never get you another don't necklace? get it back i guess i hope that shit was like a million dollars because like there's a lot of necklaces i guess out there. I, I guess i don't know and honestly it's weird oh that God. that's what i remember as yeah, a 28 a year old man yeah, <laughs> yeah. would they tell the dudes by the way <laughs> he said i don't know why do i remember this dumbass necklace probably analogy? because it, it was traumatizing honestly um, so weird and i remember in youth group and i but but honestly the adults didn't talk about it and and what i learned was how they talk about marriage tells me a lot about how they'll what their their opinions on sex is it's interesting as an adult you mean yeah i'm starting to see that connection yeah like uh <laughs> yeah like if they say marriage is like uh men and women are created like unequal un unequal (laughs) or if they say they're equal but they have different positions which is the same thing yeah uh or god gave them different gifts and talents like it begins it begins to be like a oh i know exactly how you talk yeah how you how you talk to your wife if that's how you view view your wife in the pulpit absolutely I know exactly how you treat her in the bedroom. Like yeah. we are all good, and it is a devastating reality. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I totally hear that. I totally hear that. I think because um, that sounds exactly like Mark Driscoll. Absolutely. If that, absolutely, if, if, that, if your wife is uncomfortable, that is that is too bad. She has to check those feelings at the door, yep. and it. Yep, that's wild. absolutely. And I mean, he said that word like like almost word for word. So it's yeah. not like that's not like you know we're not taking anything out of context genuinely, which. Honestly, if you dove into the context of what Mark Driscoll actually said, yeah, probably worse. So it's don't... Wor- yeah, exactly. We're really doing him a favor, which is a shame. Yeah, but put some anyway. floaty- floaties on if you're going to dive into that content. For God, <laughs> man. I remember listening to it in my car once, and it was one of the episodes where he was screaming. Oh, I turned. I had to turn it off. I'm, oh, when I actually, my God. Because they preview that at the beginning of every episode. Oh. But then once I actually got to the episode, I was sweating. Are you talking about the sex one? yeah oh god dude i was was sweating i had to turn it off i just felt like uh like i traumatized almost and i actually knew like where a couple of the bookmarks were and i i had most of my friends i'm like i gotta play this for you i can't carry that like you gotta carry this too like i can't carry this alone (laughs) like if i had to listen to this dude tell you but i so the church for you didn't talk about it no 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 but i think it as a youth pastor it was like i also felt like I never really had to talk about it. Like, I didn't feel like, I don't know. I, I felt like I was kind of on my own to teach these teenagers about sex in how the church views sex. And I didn't even really understand how the church viewed sex. Mm -hmm. And so it was really confusing to me. Um, Like, okay, God says don't have sex before marriage uh i have to teach that to teenagers like well what i mean i know i know like the situation and then it was like i know i know the situation hormonally and like how do i how do i tell that message to them with any kind of empathy like i know what they're going through and if especially if they're in a relationship with someone that they love and how am i supposed to condemn sex between them and the person they love if they're 16 17 18 19 20 30 if they're not married, like how do I condemn that sexual relationship when I don't entirely understand the biblical perspective 
yeah. of waiting. Like I didn't get it. You know what I mean? So as a youth pastor, I was really like, I feel like we're shaming a ton of kids who aren't necessarily always looking at it the way you think they're looking at it. Yeah. Um, like it was, it was always just like, well, we don't want them or like they, they just want to have sex to have sex. Like they don't understand. And it's like, well, right. I, I feel like though there are students that I ministered to who didn't just feel that way. They were in love with the person that they did. They marry that person. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about in that moment, like they weren't just viewing it as like, they, they were viewing it as almost sacred and holy, mm. even though they weren't married. And how, 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 how do I minister to that? Like, yeah. it was really hard. It was really confusing. I started to really struggle when I started to see um, kind of the church's messages as, as, uh, as controlling. Yeah. And, and historically the patriarchal like dominance that, Absolutely. that, that has been like woven into our history yeah. and starting to be like, Oh, well, did I think Christianity was spared of that from that? Like so, some, from that weaving of a man-made construct of like women are lesser. I think so. So like, then, then why, then if, if that's the case, then where would, where would that stop? And would that, would that mean, oh, well then we have to tell women that like, they can't, they can't have sex before marriage because right. then they're tainted. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, watch any like uh English courting, like the, the like these Bridgertons oh, yeah. and these things that are yeah, very absolutely. popular, these guys are able to sleep around, but they're able to maintain yeah, their purity. Absolutely. But if that, but if that woman's been, been slept with, yeah. then, then she's damaged goods to where like, she has to actually become like a, Absolutely. like a courtesan to, yeah. to be able to like, still like have a, have a respect in the town. And I just think, and this sounds like a tangent, but when you, when you are asking these questions as a leader of like, are we getting something wrong? Yeah. It makes you, it makes you kind of hold your tongue a little bit of like, yeah. I'm not going to teach on sex the way that, yeah, the way that I thought leadership wanted me to. Yeah. Yep. And I, and, and it wasn't asked from us at, I, at least for me, neither of, of my two senior pastors asked me to teach on sex. Probably thank God. Cause I didn't, because I, I, I think in my in my time as a youth pastor, I was nervous. Mm -hmm. I talked about dating, but I didn't talk about sex. Like mm -hmm. I felt like felt like this is not something I had figured out. Kind of like what you were saying. You yeah. were still under construction and like what you're figuring out, yeah. what you agree with or disagree with with the biblical. Yeah. Um with the narrative people put on the biblical yeah. narrative. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like it, my own personal experience, like I, and this was, I think what I really wrestled with, I didn't wait. Um, and I'm super okay with sharing that mm -hmm. as far as part of my story, because, um, I don't associate that with shame anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I don't carry that weight anymore. Um, like I used to, when I first became a Christian and like, I learned that like, oh, if you didn't wait, like you're disgusting and like you, you have a present that you unwrap that you can't ever wrap back up and like all this crazy necklace type shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I didn't, the, the most triggering thing for me about not waiting was that for the most part, I didn't regret it. That's what was so scary to me. 
Yeah. Is I was in the church listening to all this very sex shaming conversation. And I was thinking the people that I had slept with before my husband were good men, like really good men that loved me so well. And they shouldn't have, like I was shitty. I feel bad for them. And actually I've had to go back to some of those men that I had those relationships with one, actually, you know, just a few years ago and apologize for the way that I treated them. And they trusted me with, with their heart and their soul. Wow. And I was sorry that I abused that and like took sex, not seriously, you know, and, and didn't. And, and, and the one actually responded and was like, you know, it, yeah, it's been 10 years, but like, you really hurt me. And like, mm-hmm. you, you really messed me up. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I I've had to go back and, and, but I guess all I'm trying to say is it's just interesting to me because I remember being in the church and hearing that this is what I had to tell teenagers. Like you, you cannot have sex till you're married. It's against the Bible. And if, if you do like, like you've got to repent and, and then we'll move forward. But like, you cannot, you cannot do that. Like you cannot ruin yourself. But then I was like, but I don't feel ruined. Like, I feel like I made decisions with people I really loved that I deeply cared for. And I don't regret those. I will say then I met Tyler and who was the love of my life. Right. And I, in that, I think in the moments that we were first together where I had to tell him that, right. There was some shame there. I'm not going to dance around that. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was hard to look the person that you love more than anything in the world in the eye and say, I've made this choice a couple other times. Um, but to be honest, like once I got past that and of course he, you know, was like, uh, I understand, you know, he had not waited either. And we talked about that, you know, and we had that awkward and and, and uncomfortable conversation that you don't have to have if you waited. Right. So like, there's one reason, but it was just really hard for me. Mm. It was really, really hard for me to figure out why I needed to feel such shame about something that when I was in it felt beautiful and, and, and kind, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. So it was just really hard coming from an, you know, an atheist perspective Yeah, and someone who didn't wait and then coming into the church, becoming a pastor. Yeah. 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 And so when you started, when you were, when you and Tyler started married, yeah, you guys had already had that conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why right away? Why do you think you felt like, uh, did you say that you felt shame yeah. in that conversation, even oh, though, yeah. even though you, you were an atheist at the time? Like that's no, not... well, when I was, I think but you've that... been to youth group growing up. So you would have had like, I went once yeah. and we never talked about that. We talked okay. about prayer okay, that time, but, but I, I don't think I felt shame at the time. I felt shame, like retelling the story later. Like when we were sitting together and we were sharing like, Hey, this is, this is what, this is kind of the life I've lived. Mm. These are people that have have been pretty important in my story. And and you should know about these people. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like that conversation was bad or, or shameful. But when I got in the church and I had to tell our testimony, Mm -hmm. nothing but shame, nothing but shame. Mm. So it's interesting. It is interesting because before the church, I never felt that way. Yeah. And then I got in the church and I, I was given this narrative and I was, I was given this, this, how I had to feel and I felt it and I carried it. And then when I would teach about sex to my students, I would share that testimony yeah. of the shame that I carried. And it's like, well, that shame wasn't really put on me until I showed up here. 
I just didn't really know it. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. It was it was uh, weird when I, um, you know, I was in a much better place when I started, you know, dating Jackie. But, mm-hmm. um, but I had, I had really struggled in the dating, yeah. uh, es- especially as like a young teenager who's, um, uh, who discovered porn with his friends and like, um, just kind of what, what that what that did to me as I as I was like, I mean imagine imagine like you discover something as as powerful and as like uh uh manipulative as as pornography Mm -hmm. but you also discover it with your social group oh yeah and then like and then that becomes your your all your all this is on your brain like yeah um and you like you all are on the same page of where you where you where you could go to get yeah. get this kind of stuff and and it really wrecked um it made me it made me wreck a lot of like uh a lot of like young relationships i was not I, i'm not proud of me currently is not proud of of yeah. me me as a young high schooler um but uh I, so i i've i would say i i never felt i've never felt proud of of where i got to uh in my in my relationship with dating and sex but do you feel like the church helped that hurt that like where do you think what do you think the church's role and how you felt and how you carried that and how you got help for that or yeah. you know what i mean like where did the church like did the church play a role at all in any of that story no i think <clears throat> i think the overarching i think i i would feel shame and i don't think i could say the church the church specifically that congregation I was in gave me that shame. Mm-hmm. But I do think the systemic narrative that has carried from pastor to pastor, from family to to family over, this is how, this is how marriage is supposed to look like, or this is how dating is supposed to look like. And then this is how really dating marriage sex is. There's this order to everything. Yeah. And then when life and in really dating and sex naturally get out of order yeah and i in and i know there's some people out there that are gonna be like it's not natural the way it gets out of order i'm sorry everybody always know what they're gonna say it seems like he must know a lot of people that (laughs) i know but nobody's saying it y'all we need some keyboard warriors yeah no shit no you guys are definitely saying it you're just not typing it that's true that's true (laughs) we're still hearing it we're hearing about it we're just not reading it but yeah so I did feel this shame of like, I can't bring my true self. Yeah. And I'm myself is dirty. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I, but it's, it, it was hard because I'd be like, I would hate myself for 30 minutes, hour of my, of my day. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. But I would still like who I am. Do you know what right, I mean? Exactly. And then I would wonder why can't, like, why can't right. I bring my, bring the part I hate about myself actually to church? Right, right. But I have to keep it hidden. I have to keep else, it hidden. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because no one else is talking about it. Because nobody else. And they sure as hell aren't telling me it's okay that I'm struggling with it. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. And as time goes on, and, and like as I've learned, 
Yeah. Some of those things, there's just not, there's just not quick flip fixes. For right. It. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't super glue a sex addiction. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. It just doesn't happen. Right. Like, right. And I just don't think, I think the church could do a lot more to be patient with in, in actually walking with people as they work through stuff like that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I saw this. I, I, I have this book. It's called shameless by Nadia Boleswell. We've talked about her before, but yeah, there's a, um, a couple of quotes that I wanted to read really quick from the book. And, uh, there is, um, there's a, um, she had, it's, it's a twofold conversation, but it starts, it starts with her talking about purity. Okay. Um, and this book is, is like a sexual reformation book, right? It's really good. Okay. But she starts saying that purity most often leads to pride or to despair, not to holiness because holiness is about union with, and purity is about separation from holiness is the union that we experience with one another and with God. Holiness is when we become one becomes one. When what is fractured is made whole singing in harmony, breastfeeding a baby, collective bargaining, dancing, admitting our pain to someone and hearing them say me too. Holiness happens when we are integrated as physical, spiritual, sexual emotional or political beings holiness is the song that has always been sung perhaps even the sound that was first spoken when god said let there be light one last part of this quote so my argument in this book is this we should not be more loyal to an idea or a doctrine or an interpretation of a bible verse than we are to people if the teachings of the church are harming the bodies and the spirits of people, we should rethink those teachings. Mm -hmm. And I think that quote is a lot, but I think the point of what really like of why I really wanted to share it in this space is because of two reasons. The first part is that definition of holiness. Like, so I can look back at my sexual history and I can assure you that there was holiness there. Doesn't mean it wasn't broken. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean I wish I maybe wouldn't have, wouldn't have only had those holiness moments with that, but there was holiness there that there was, there was sacred ground there mm -hmm. with, with men that loved and cared for me. And it's okay for me to honor and, and, and be not ashamed now of those stories. But I also think it's beautiful that she brings up that like, it doesn't mean that we have to teach that to teenagers, that it's okay, whatever you want to do, whoever you want to sleep, mm -hmm. like that's not the messaging, right? But that it's okay to say the teaching that sex is shameful and the teaching that any mistake or any struggle or any barrier that you're having or, or, or battle that you're having within your sexual identity is so bad that that messaging, if that's, if that's hurting people, yeah. You got to stop and, and reapproach what we're doing. Like, like, like burn your contract. Right. And like change what the hell you're doing. Yep. Because what just happened is you, you, you gave a contract to a student. You were more concerned about the doctrine than you were her yep. personhood. And not only did you lose her, the church, we lost her because we're the church with you, buddy. Like that youth pastor, we're all, we're all on the same team, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, thank God our jerseys don't look like yours for more reasons than one. Cause I know, I know the situation, but, but at the end of the day, like, so you, you not only lost a student 
in your youth group. And, and, and we lost a student on the team of, of the church in general, because you, you chose doctrine over the personhood of your, of your, of your kids. Yeah. And I just think that writing that quote is just such a beautiful reminder that like, then you got to rethink it. It doesn't mean you can't preach your truth, but, but it ain't when it's compromising people. You have to care about the human yeah. on the end of your message. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I don't know, you guys. I, I think this conversation could be 10 episodes. And I Probably think the could. reality is that it'll never be easy, I think, for for Brandon and I to ever come into this space and, and talk no, about sex. This is probably the most uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But, but I know, I know that you guys deserve that from us. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are people who are just like me and there are people who are just like Brandon. And, and if we could have had people, yeah. if, if we could have been sitting where you're sitting, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you know what I mean? God, God only knows what it could have taught us or what it could have, could have been to us. Yeah. So I know that the vulnerability is never, is never wasted, never done in vain. I always I'm I'm so glad we did this episode. I think it's it's always valuable for me as as we're in in as we're best friends. Oh yeah. And we've had conversations about this. Yeah. Um you know, it isn't day a day one conversation. It's a trusted conversation definitely. that you and I have had. Yeah, definitely. Um which makes it a little weird to share it with you guys to be honest. Yeah. Um totally. but Chelsea and I you know, a lot of people are going to be like, this is so wrong for Chelsea as a girl and Brandon as a guy to be like having this conversation. And I just I if we could give you guys the window into what our friendship has been like, like we've you been, have no idea we've had we've had our superiors call us and say, like, hey, are you guys chill with riding in the same car together? Like or. Yeah that's not how they put it there was they did not ask us if we were chill no, but they like put it a lot shittier than that yeah or but we we have i mean it's and, and or like had, leaving a door open when yep. we were when we've been in rooms God, to dude. be able to play exploding kittens together like yeah which it's a joke it's is been, not an innuendo that is a card game yeah <laughs> wait is did I not it, say that is the game that, exploding like, kittens is not a phrase for sex i know but i'm saying that the creators of that game like i wonder they they are a little bit like I they're know. a little sneaky peter like i don't know i do not know <laughs> listen <laughs> maybe i just don't know enough about sex but i just do not know if anything the phrase exploding <laughs> but i think what we're, I, think, <laughs> I think what we're trying to get <laughs> back to we're not cutting this brandon's gonna be like i'm cutting this no no i'm not the fuck you are the the fuck you are but but um i think that like i remember someone pulling us aside pulling me aside once saying like hey i think your relationship with brandon's really inappropriate and it's just like nobody in our lives ever put that on us except the church Mm -hmm. like this whole time we have this very sibling from the from the get you know this very um blood but not blood you know connection and our families you know not always but in the beginning for sure we were in each other's family group chats and we were included in things and we were you know my family is in love with brandon my family loves brandon it was never my family that said your relationship with brandon mm-hmm. it was the church 
And yeah. it's like, it's like another reason, like you guys were not looking out for us. You, you, you were looking at the, like you view things so effed up right? and, and you, you view things so ass backwards that even when my family and my other close friends saw Brandon as so valuable in my life and such a valuable brother to me and vice versa. Yeah. Um, it, the church couldn't help, but see it as sexual. Right. <laughs> like, and it's like, how sad, like, it's just another, I mean, and we're not the only story like that. I mean, there's tons of people that, you know, but it, we are, we are rare in the church. World. That's true. Yeah, absolutely because they don't, no one gets a chance yeah you get close to the opposite sex and you guys are sleeping yeah. together i i don't even know Supposedly. how it worked except for well we just except for didn't care. i'm okay with making friends with women yeah absolutely because i i generally get along with them better like we're just better people right? <laughs> i'm just kidding. i just i, I think just i am do i gravitate toward yeah. in in if you know me you know this is genuine it's it's not a sexual thing. Yep. I yep. think women are cool. Yeah. They're not assholes. Like I just yeah. There's a lot of things that generally like I I laugh more with the with my yeah. women friends than I do my guy friends. Like yeah. It's just kind of the way the way it rolls a little bit. So what I was gonna say about that is like we just happened to be that just happened to work. Yeah. Like when we started to yeah. to hang out and whatnot. Yeah. And it's so funny talking about this because I just think there are people that they you'll you'll believe what you want to believe Definitely. about our friendship. Definitely. I don't think uh not that I think it's a, a I don't I think more people are concerned that um uh we're satanic than than we're yeah than we're oddly, like inappropriate. We've been accused but, with as many times as we've been behind a locked door, We've been accused way more of worshiping Satan than one another, which yeah. is weird to me. Super I mean, weird. I'm thank God, honestly. I, I mean, both I, are weird, but like, yeah, but but to be Satan, to be worshiping Satan, yeah. is just a very. Uh, but yeah, but you're right, definitely. We've we've been accused way more of uh, of being evil than than we have anything. But else, no one but. will ever see the times where where uh, because of how you show up for for us that it brings Jackie to tears. Like no one's gonna. Versa. No one's gonna see the times where like Tyler and I uh go out for food and and you know what I mean like and yeah. have have conversations like yeah in the in the love we have for each other as brothers like yeah it's just believe what you want the time you know I mean I I just the first funeral we ever went to for one another you know was your grandpa mm -hmm. and it's so weird to look now and it's like your grandpa your dad my grandpa, my grandma. I mean, we've just really traveled yeah. some places. And so, although a lot of those places you won't ever know about our life and sex and shame in the church. I just think that those are places that, that we're willing to take you with us mm -hmm. there. Um, and I think that it's only, it's only fair for the type of environment we're trying to create that, mm -hmm. that you get to be a part of. You might not always be in the in the room with the exploding kittens game, but but man, you know to take you on on a journey like this. And you're lucky you're not because I'm very good at it. Oh, and, <laughs> guys, I got some pictures of some uh, a lot of diffuse cards. You have one hand, picture man. where you have like four diffuses <laughs> in. We'll show it. It's a good one. I have several screenshots of when I'm destroying Dude. you at the. We're over time. Gotta go. Cut the mic off.
yo tech person cut his mic we love you guys uh be careful out there exploding those kittens gross hey fam thanks for listening to this week's episode of the religious dropouts podcast we hope it gave you a space to breathe to laugh and connect it's our hope that as you journey along with us that you too might find yourself saying damn it feels good to be a dropout Be sure to check out our show notes for links to anything mentioned in this episode, including ways to connect with us on social media. We'd also love for you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with anyone you know who might want to join our community. You are loved. Have a great week.